one of the absolute joys of my work here is having the opportunity to hear the wonderful stories of men and women that God is bringing to us. And so today we want to welcome uh, Kenneth Asukwo. Um, Kenneth's wife, Juana Asukwo, placed membership with us uh, probably about a month ago, and, and Kenneth is placing membership with us today. You should see his picture up on the wall. Uh, interestingly, Juana, um, she came here from Nigeria, and Juana, after she was placed membership, got quickly involved. She uh, serves as one of our greeters. You probably see her to my left in the, in the back most Sunday mornings. And now Kenneth is joining us as well. Um, although Kenneth is not from Nigeria, his mom and dad are from Nigeria. And, and so it's amazing how God is just bringing us all kinds of wonderful people. Really, the world is coming to Lebanon, and that's such a wonderful uh, blessing to us. So we want to welcome uh, Kenneth Asukwo. And then also we want to welcome Irene Denton. Irene is the mother of uh, Julie Crisp. And so the Crisps placed membership, Jim and Julie Crisp placed membership about uh, four months ago or so. Uh, they previously lived up in Connecticut, uh, preached for a church there, ministered for years, moved down here, placed membership with us, and now uh, Julie's mother, Irene Denton, is joining our journey. I, I feel a, a special kinship to Irene uh, because Irene's husband was a preacher uh, for a number of years before he passed away a while back. So we want to welcome Irene. And then last Sunday morning in the bulletin, you probably saw uh, the family of Colton Jacqueline, and Jacqueline Adcock and their kiddos, Elena, Michael, and Adelaide. And they were not, weren't able to be with us last Sunday morning. They were ill, but, but they're, as you have little kiddos, you know, kids are sick all the time, as you all know, especially this time of year. But they're here today. I'm looking to my right, and I, I see them. So it's great to have uh, the Adcoxes uh, with us uh, this morning and placing membership with us. Uh, one of the reasons I love being part of this church is having the opportunity to rub shoulders with such incredible leaders. I'm looking out right now, and I'm seeing men and women in the room who've had such an incredible impact in our community. Our church is filled with talented people. And one of those leaders is a guy by the name of Steve Jones. Steve has served our community since 1988 as a member of the board and since 1992 as chairman of the uh, board of Lebanon Special School District. And he was honored last week. And I just thought we ought to just recognize him today. Uh, last week, there was a groundbreaking ceremony for a new school the school's appropriately named Jones Brummett Elementary. No higher honor than someone in education having a school named after you. So uh, when you see Steve, uh, I want you to encourage him and bless him. What a wonderful, wonderful honor. We're so proud of Steve Jones. And while I'm at it, let me say one other word about uh, someone who's received a special honor the last few months, uh, and that is uh, Johnny Trice. Uh, I do see Johnny with us. Johnny's sitting to my left. Johnny and Alice are wonderful people. Uh, I love having an opportunity to have lunch with Johnny from time to time. A few months ago, a street was named in Johnny's uh, honor at the fairgrounds um, because of Johnny's work on the fair board. And so, uh, Johnny, we're proud of you and, and uh, just proud of that, that wonderful accomplishment. These, are, these men are great, great leaders. Well, uh, if you have your Bibles, open to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It's the very last verse in this chapter that we've been studying for these last few weeks. And really, you won't find a more encouraging word, a more encouraging Scripture in all of your Bibles than Isaiah chapter 40. 
And so verse 31, it, it reads this way. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and grow weary. Not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isn't that a beautiful sentiment? I mean, I love this idea that because we have a sense of hope, a sense of confident expectation in the Lord, we'll be the kind of men and women who, who soar on wings like eagles. We'll be the kind of people who, who, who run and, and we don't get weary, who walk and we don't feel like stopping. We won't get faint. But here's the thing. If you're anything like me, sometimes you struggle. Sometimes you experience weariness. And one of the things I've noticed is that I spend a lot more time in verse 27 than in verse 31. And so today, if you find yourself in the middle of verse 27, then the sermon today might just be for you. Now, in verse 27, Isaiah asks a couple of questions. He says, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Now, we've said all along in this message series, the context for Isaiah 40 is that the people of God are in Babylonian exile. And it seems to them like God has forgotten them. Like God has written them off. Like they've been disregarded. And the truth of the matter is, no one of us likes to feel disregarded really by anyone, especially not God. And so they're thinking to themselves, as here we are in Babylonian captivity, God doesn't see our hardships. God doesn't see our difficulties. He's unaware that we're struggling. Most likely all of us at some time or another have asked, where is God? Especially in those difficult seasons of life. I think that's one of the reasons why we're especially drawn to a book like the Psalms. Because you see this theme all through the, the book of Psalms. This theme where the psalmist is lamenting, where is God? And so you have a passage like Psalm 44 and verse 24. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? It's a powerful sentiment, isn't it? Why do you hide your face from us? God. That's how we often feel when we're struggling. That's how we feel when things aren't going as we had planned or like we had wished. Now it's fascinating to me that when Isaiah writes verse 27, he refers to the names Jacob and Israel. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And so who is, who is Jacob? What, what does Isaiah mean by invoking the name of Jacob, and the name of Israel. Well, long before this moment in history, we're introduced to the person of Jacob in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 32. And there's this fascinating story in Genesis chapter 32 where, where Jacob is, is wrestling with none other than God. He spends all night in this wrestling match with God. He struggles with God. And that's fascinating to me because we wrestle with God from time to time. We struggle with the Lord. We wrestle with deep questions. And so we ask sometimes, God, why didn't you heal her? So many people were praying. God, it seems like 
you weren't listening. God, why was I passed over for the job? Why, why was I passed over for that promotion? You, you know, I was better prepared. My credentials were better than the other person. Or we say, God, why, why hasn't life worked out or turned out like I had planned? We wrestle with God. We wrestle with this questions, with these questions. And it seems sometimes like, like God has, has turned away or God is not interested or God somehow is not aware. And so we struggle, much like Jacob wrestled with God all night. And we might even think, well, our faith must be weak or lacking if we wrestle with these sorts of questions. But I, what I want to say is this, this morning that the strongest faith, the best kind of faith is, is born out of struggle. When we struggle in our faith, our faith will be tempered and tested and it will be more real. And so Jacob, in Genesis 32, he wrestles all night with God. And you remember how the story ends, how that in that wrestling match, God touched the socket of Jacob's hip and threw it out of place. I wonder from this point forward if Jacob walked with a little bit of a, a limp. And every time he, he limped, I wondered if he remembered that moment in Genesis 32 when he wrestled with God. But at the end of the, this moment of wrestling in Genesis 32, you remember what happens at the very end? God does something very interesting. God changes Jacob's name. And from this moment on, Jacob is known as Israel. There's where we get Israel. And what does Israel mean? It means one who wrestles one who clings to God. And so the nation of Israel was born out of, of that wrestling with a sense of God. I know sometimes it seems like our, our way is hidden from God, that our cause, our particular struggle is disregarded by God, that, that God somehow is, is busy up in heaven doing his thing and God's not aware of the little bitty things that we're struggling with. But what I want you to know is God knows. God sees. God is aware. There's a story in the New Testament that I, I really like that I think helps us to see how, how God does know and is concerned is, and is empathetic with all the things we're struggling with. It's found in John chapter 11. It's the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were siblings. They were some of Jesus' closest friends. And you remember... You remember how the story goes. Lazarus becomes very ill. And of course, Mary and Martha are deeply concerned about their brother, so what do they do? They send for Jesus. They send for Jesus because they've seen him heal. They know what the Lord could do. They send word to Jesus, our, our brother is ill. And in John chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, we see that Jesus does not get in a hurry. In fact, the scripture reads, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I've always thought that last line was a bit odd. You know, when you're reading Scripture, one of the great questions to ask as you're reading it, if you really want to see what the Scripture is teaching is, what is odd or what is strange or what is peculiar about a certain reading? You see, because Jesus loved Lazarus, here's how I think it should read. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and when he heard his friend was sick, he immediately rushed over to take care of his dear sick friend. But that's not what 
the scripture says, and that's not what Jesus does. Jesus kind of waits, a couple days pass, several days pass, before he finally arrives. And by the time he gets to see his dear friend Lazarus, he's already died. In fact, he, he's so dead, they've already had the funeral, and he's been in the tombs for some time. And, and when Martha goes out to see Actually, Mary goes out to see Jesus. They both do, and they both say similar things, Mary and Martha. Mary says, Martha says, if you had not been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There's a hint of, of accusation in her tone. Why did you not come sooner? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so Jesus asked to be taken to the tomb. He goes to the tomb. And when Jesus looks around and he sees the sisters weeping and he sees some other folks who loved Lazarus also weeping, the NIV translates the verse this way, Jesus was deeply moved and troubled. Now sometimes, you know, I, I'm no Greek expert, but I really don't like how the NIV translates that phrase because it's, I, I know enough to know it's very strong language and that's not quite strong enough. The message paraphrase of, of this phrase renders it this way, and I think it gets closer. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her weeping, a deep anger welled up within him. That's strong. He's looking at what's going on, and a deep anger wells up in him. Why was Jesus angry? He is, he's not angry at these precious sisters. He's not angry at the people who are weeping. He is angry at the evil one. He is angry at what sin does. How that sin, when it's unleashed in our world, it, it sets loose things like, like, like illness and disease and even death. And he's looking at this precious family that's been impacted by these hard things. And he's angry at the evil one. It's, this angers him. And then in verse 35, it just says simply, Jesus wept. And again, the language is Jesus keeps on weeping. And so here's Jesus who's standing there in front of the tomb. He knows he's going to raise Lazarus in just a minute. He knows he has the power to do that. But he's standing there in front of the tomb and, and the tears are, are streaming down his cheeks and run, running off his beard. And he's standing there looking at Mary and Martha and all those who are weeping and his chest is heaving up and down and Jesus is weeping. Why? It's because Jesus loves these folks. He's aware of what's going on in their life. And it hurts him deeply. You see, if we ever wonder, does God, is God aware, does God know, does, is God interested in our struggle, you look back at Jesus. And we see from Jesus and we learn from him that he is deeply concerned about your divorce. He's deeply concerned about your, the struggles you have with your kids. He's deeply concerned about with what's going on in the workplace. He's deeply concerned about that diagnosis you recently received. He's deeply concerned about you wondering what's going to happen when I, when I find out the test results. I'm really concerned about that. Jesus knows all of that and he's aware. In Isaiah 40, 
in verse 27, a universal question is asked. It's, it's a really old question, but it's a relevant and contemporary question. The question is, does God, does God know? Is God turned away? It feels sometimes like our way is hidden from the Lord, like our cause is disregarded, but we, we know that God is aware. But what is it that I need when I'm tempted to fall into a despair because it seems God is not present, God is absent. What we need is what Isaiah gives us in this text. What we need is a fresh reminder of who God is. And so right after Isaiah gives voice to the complaints of the people, he reminds them of of all that we've been learning in this message series. He, He talks about who this God is. And so he says in verse 28, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Certainly, they had heard for 26 verses. Isaiah has been telling them about this God, this amazing God. And so between our despair and our renewal is is God's greatness planted right in the middle of All through this series, we focused like a laser on the goodness of God and the compassion of God and the power of God and the wisdom of God and how this is a God that cannot be compared with anyone or anything. And although sometimes we don't understand why things happen, God does. And God's intentions are always good. One of the blessings at College Hills is our wonderful digital sign. I'm so grateful for Russell Witt for providing Uh, that sign for us and and sometimes signs uh, go on the blink just a little bit there's slight malfunctions and this week the sign read the god of hope you know we're encouraging everyone to be thinking about here's what we're going to be talking about sunday morning we're going to be talking about this wonderful god of hope but but on one side of the sign there was a slight malfunction and for a little while the h looked like it looked like an n and so suddenly the sign read the god of nope And you know, there's some people, there's some people, that's their God. It's nope. God's against me. God doesn't hear. God doesn't listen. God isn't interested. But I want you to know we have a God. He is the God of hope. But here's the thing. Here's what we struggle with a lot of times. I know I struggle with this. We have these fears and concerns and worries and anxieties. And if we're not careful, we end up placing our our hope in the wrong thing or in the wrong place. And so some of us, some of us fear loneliness. And so we place our hope, our confidence in the idea of marriage, of having a spouse. And finally, after a process, we find that guy or that gal, perfect guy or gal, we get hitched. We have kids. But we find out as wonderful as this spouse is, they are broken and they often disappoint. Others of us fear getting sick. And so we're fanatical about eating well, about exercising. We're fanatical about taking vitamins. Because you see, our hope is in health. But I hate to break it to you, all of us in this room, we're getting old. And barring an early return of Jesus, we're going to die. Regardless of how many gym memberships we have, regardless of how many vitamins we take and how much we watch our diet... There are those who fear being poor or unsuccessful. And so a lot of times we we put our hope in money 
And so we work hard. But, but how many people do you know who have a, a big bank account, and yet at the end of the day, they, they realize there's something still missing in my life. There's, there's something that's not quite right. You see, the question isn't, do you need hope? Or even, do you have hope? The question is, ultimately, where will you place your hope? And that brings us to this beautiful verse that we began our sermon with today. That brings us to verse 31, because there's a wonderful promise embedded in this verse. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will, run, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Up in verse 29, right preceding verse 31, the Lord says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And that's good news to me. Because I'm weak. And I'm prone to become weary. And God is aware of all of that. He's aware of all that's going on in our lives. He's aware and he is able, this verse says, he is able to give us strength. But here's what I wrestle with. How do I live in this? You see, in verse 31, God is not saying God enables those who draw strength from his promise. No, he's saying so much more than that. He is saying God enables those who draw strength from his promise to do the impossible. Here's what it looks like. It looks like the weak and the discouraged soaring, soaring on wings like eagles. It looks like people running without tiring and walking without quitting. But how does this happen? How do we tap into this? Really, here's the punchline of the sermon. The issue is not willpower. That's what the world says. You just need more willpower. The issue is not willpower. The issue is expectancy. Let me say that again. The issue is not willpower. The issue is expectancy. You see, this promise is not some general promise for just any and everyone. This promise is specifically for those who hope in the Lord. God enables us to soar and to run and to walk when we place our hope in the Lord. Now, some of you have a translation that will render it those who wait, but those who wait for the Lord will will be uh, renewed. This kind of waiting is not passive. It's not inactive. It's not sitting by, twiddling our thumbs. No, no, to wait for the Lord is to wait in confident, eager suspense. To wait for the Lord is to wait in in confident, because your hope is in God, and I can be confident in God. Eager suspense. It's to to live in the tension of promises made and promises fulfilled. This waiting is waiting on tiptoe, waiting with eager longing, anticipating, longing for that moment when God makes everything right, longing for that moment when one day we look into the face of God, longing for that moment when one day we get a resurrected body that's not susceptible to the struggles we have, longing for that moment when everything will be set right. And that's the trajectory of Scripture. 
History is moving toward them. I realize we're living a divided, weird, odd kind of time, but God is in control, and history is moving to a moment when everything will be renewed. New heaven and new earth, new body, living in the presence of God for eternity. And so what is the mechanism that enables us to soar when we're weak and discouraged? What is the power that gives us the ability to to run when we're not sure we can? What is, what is it that gives us the strength to keep, keep moving when we don't want to walk? It's not our willpower. It's not uh, that we're enabled uh, by our ability or our strength. No, we're enabled because of our hope in God. We know ultimately the prize. Seeing the face of God will be so worth the wait. I once read about a, a group home, I think it was in Missouri, and this was a group home for developmentally delayed adults, a lot with Down syndrome. And in this group home, uh, it had a Christian basis, and so the people that were working with these precious men and women told them about Jesus, preached about Jesus, and one of the things they talked to them about with this, was this hope they have in Jesus. That, that Jesus is going to come back and that we get to live in his home and that our bodies will be set right and everything will be made right. And they talked about that incessantly. And the story goes that one of the things they struggled with in this group home was the windows. They struggled with the windows because the windows were constantly dirty. Because every day, these precious men and women who heard that gospel truth, they put their hands on the windows and on their tiptoes and faces on the windows looking across the way wondering is this the day is this the day I get to see Jesus is this the day he comes back to make everything right that longing that confident expectation that eagerness to see the Lord. Friends, that's hope. And when we have that kind of hope, we will soar on wings like eagles. We won't merely exist. No, we'll soar. We'll soar. So this morning, I, I wonder, do you have that kind of hope? If you're not in Christ, you should not have that hope. That, cry, that hope is found in God. That hope is found in Christ. Today, if you have a need we can help you with, I'll meet you down front. We'll have a couple of elder couples in the very back. If you don't have that hope, they would love to talk with you about how you might have that kind of hope and live your life in that way. Come as we stand as we sing.